Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Okay, so we this is part of No Grow and Go. This is in the go part. So if you've been part of the series, you know that we've transitioned over to go. So this is going to be about how do we go. Um, I first wanted to ask when that word go comes out, go do what? Who knows? What does the Bible, what does God say go and do? All right, make disciples of all nations. Okay, we know that. Well, that's what the go means. So uh, anyway, uh, tip your waitresses. No, I'm teasing. I I just want to add just a tiny bit that the Lord showed me for today, for this body, just about that going out. So um, I I watched this guy, we were out of town in Omaha, went to church with my brother, watched this guy, and he preaches the whole thing, and he never uses his notes once. And I thought, good for you, bro. I can't do that. So I'm going to stick to these pretty carefully, but I just wanted to say there is so much power in reading your Bible in a year. <laughs> like, I never knew that. My dad's always like, you should do that. Oh, yeah, sure. And then this year, I did. God just changed something in my heart, and I, and I wanted to. And uh, using that Bible app on your phone, if you have that, it's amazing. So many different plans you can choose from. It reminds you. It gives you that little, you know, when you check that box, it makes you feel good. It's all the things are built in there, and it's fantastic. So as I'm reading this, I'm about three-quarters of the way through, Right? And I'm looking, because it has you read a little from the Old Testament, some prophets, and then Gospels, and then New Testament stuff. It's great, and sometimes they're just held right next to each other, the the promise and the fulfillment, and it's so cool how they do that, so you get to see that. But, you know, you're reading Kings, and you're like, this king was good, and he did what God said. This king was bad, everything went to pot. Next king was good. It's like, you start thinking, how hard is this? Like, you're a king, you want things to go well. Just, you have to obey God. Like, don't put up the weird poles, just just obey and things will go good for you and it it just seems so weird and then you're reading you know right before they're getting ready to go in the promised land Moses knows he's going to die right and so he's telling him he's like please when you go in there just just do one thing just just obey God don't put the idols up if you do that it's going to be great if you don't do that it's going to be super super bad like he warns them and then it just plays out and you're just watching so I started thinking about like if you took the bible like you have to do in business books sometimes and you just go and you have to to break it down into what was this book about so here's my here's my one minute synopsis okay God creates mankind for a purpose so Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, in the birds in the sky, over all creatures that move on the ground. So he created mankind in his image. Male and female, he created them. He blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule, 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 rule. Fill it with my glory, Rule all over it. Now, there's one little part that's left out this first time that we see when he talks about it again, and that was, don't put anything between me and you while you do this. Why didn't he need it here? There wasn't anything in between him yet, right? Cool of the evening, he was there. So he didn't have to say that part here, but the idea is, unbroken relationship for me, fill the earth with my glory. That's the original purpose. 
Okay. Men and women perfectly understand their purpose. So next chapter, mankind falls short and sin enters the world. But God's purpose for them doesn't change Genesis 9, 1 through 2. Or 1 and 2, however you want to do that. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Right? Rule over everything. They're given into your hands. So you just see, even after the fall, purpose didn't change. Same exact mandate. Now, men and women have to try to fulfill their purpose, but without perfect understanding or perfect love for him and each other. That fundamentally changed. The purpose didn't. Next chapter, God gives laws to mankind to help them rediscover their purpose and love each other better. That's, right, the whole law. Even in Matthew 22, 35 through 40, that's summed up and it says, um, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? Like, what's the law about? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. That's the greatest commandment. Second is, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the things the prophet said, they hang on these two commandments, which sounds a lot like unbroken fellowship with him, go out and rule, right? Spread it everywhere. The glory of him is in his people getting along, loving them more than you love yourself. Same thing, only now Jesus is coming and he's kind of explaining how you can restore the purpose, right? So God sacrifices his son to make a way to restore mankind to his original and unchanged purpose and gives them the power to carry it out. So if you look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you know if this is the end of Matthew, you're hearing the end of right? God, Jesus' ministry on earth. When he, well, we'll, go, we'll do that because I think I forgot to give that to him. But we'll just go to Acts 1-8 because I know they have one, right? So Jesus says, go and make disciples, the one we all said to each other. And then he says, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So unbroken purpose, Jesus comes down and says, I've restored that relationship. That part's back to garden, Right? And now when you go out to fill the earth, you've got the same power I did to do all the things you saw. It's inside of you. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting, right? Purpose never changed, ever. Not once, not for a second. The only difference is relationships restored and we have the Holy Spirit inside of us going to do anything he tells us to do. So we all understand that's the go. Um, and then the rest of the Bible is about people carrying out the original unchanged purpose. It's them fulfilling their purpose. They fulfilled theirs. That's why we're all sitting here today talking about ours. So to sum it all up, the whole history is God wanting man to be in perfect relationship with him and fill the entire planet with his people and his glory. So go do what? Uh, Derek did a good job of explaining that most of us don't need to go to the ends of the earth to do our part. That was a few weeks ago. I thought that was good, right? It's your part may be right in front of you. And then Tom preached and said, you can't do your part if you're in isolation. You, you have to be in the earth to spread it. And then Greg said that you can't do your part unless you truly believe and align your heart to God's word. Like you, you have to really believe you have a part to play and you have to be aligned with him. I thought that was great. And then just last week, Tom said that God has blessed us so that or in order that we can be a blessing to others, 
while we're doing our part. The reason we get blessed, and we all know that feels good, is so that we can be a blessing as we go and do our part. So it's been a, a good lead up to, to this, and I, like I said, I get to do the short version, which is great. So I'm just gonna ask today, what is your part? What is your specific part, you personally? Take a few seconds and think about that. Do you know, could you say it in a couple sentences? What is my part, do you know? Not our part, your part. Mark does? Mark, why don't you come up? You get, you get two to three sentences to say, this is my part in God's purpose. I believe my purpose in discipling others is with my hands. Um, I've been gifted um, with a lot of skills of building, and I've been able to go to places and help people to build something that they can use to share the gospel. And I love doing it. I'm passionate about doing it. And I love to see the smiles on the faces that I've been able to change through God when we accomplish things in his name. That's awesome. Thank you. So that, that's a man that has the uh, wonderful feeling of knowing exactly what his purpose is. When you know exactly what it is, you're living your best life, as they say. That's a good thing. So, today we want to talk about if you were not able to raise your hand. Maybe you knew exactly what your purpose was, but you didn't raise it just because you didn't want to come up. But if you didn't raise it because you aren't exactly sure, I know what God's purpose is, but what's my part in it? If you can't say it as succinctly as that, I'm going to challenge you. Let's go after that. Let's be able to do that, okay? Mike and Lauren, I'm so glad you're here. I looked over and saw Lauren. She's one of my favorite people in the whole world. She was my Sunday school teacher when I was a kid. and She's probably, probably one of the best humans I've ever met. Full of the love of the Lord. So just, I'm glad you're here. I love you. Gosh, it's so weird, like she was teaching me, and like I, the fact that, I, that she's even sitting here, like, like that's cool, man. God's a good God. Holy cow, that's humbling. I'm freaking out now. <laughs> okay, we'll go to pictures. Pictures help. Picture of a tree. Hopefully we have that. It's a, it's a tree. There it is. About two years ago, Dana and I were in Naples, Florida, spending some time together. We go to this place called Corkscrew Swamp. Why? Because Dana wanted to, and Guy loves Dana. We're in, we're walking, <laughs> we're walking around this, this place, and, and we're looking, we're supposed to be looking for like a ghost orchid. That's the cool thing you're going to see as you're out in this swamp. So you, it's all, there's all these bald cypress, and they're the, the largest stand of ancient bald cypress in the world. They're over 600 years old, untouched, never been harvested. Before we were ever in this country, these things were there. Very cool, right? But also, just kind of seems like you're on a walk. So, eh. so I'm walking. We're trying, to, you know, we're trying to see ghost orchid. We're doing all this stuff, and we come across these trees that have this other tree climbing up them. Does anybody happen to know what that other tree tree is, that other thing? A, yeah, Wikipedia, we say, has correctly identified that as a strangler fig. 
Deacon told me how to say this word. Those are hemiepiphytes. Take that, Rick. Hemi. <laughs> hemiepiphytes. So what that word means is these plants, they germinate. The seeds are carried by birds and dropped. They fall into crevices in larger trees. They germinate there. Then they grow down to find the soil with their roots, and they grow up to compete for light, reliant on this tree. They can support, they're good for the tree in a way, because if a storm comes, they strengthen the tree. They help it stand up against a storm. But they're gonna eventually kill that tree. That tree's gonna die and rot. It's still gonna look like it's okay, because a strangler fig's holding it up. There's no life in the tree anymore. But the fig is what you see. That's what you attribute the life to. I didn't know any of that when I saw this. All it was was when, you know, God points to something and he just, you know, for whatever reason, you can't let it go. And I put it in my phone that long ago. I have a little thing I called ideas for speeches or whatever. And I put it in there. I'm like, that's gonna, he'll use that at some point. And he did. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. So we're gonna just keep that picture of the strangler fig and the bald cypress in our mind as we talk about Moses, because obviously. So, God had a plan for Moses' life. The plan was to lead his people to freedom so that they could fill the earth and be a blessing to all nations. Could God have done that all by himself? Of course he could, right? But it's his design to accomplish his purpose through people. He chose to do that. We've talked a lot about, don't know why, it was his good pleasure. We just say, okay. So God started Moses on the path to his purpose from the very beginning. So if you look at Exodus 2.10, uh, this was good. So you know, she finds the baby Pharaoh's daughter. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter. This is the one that was his own mother who had been nursing him. And he became her son. She, the daughter of Pharaoh, named him Moses, which means I got him out the water. Like, right? I, that's what Moses means. I got him out of the water. So from the very beginning, a baby that was supposed to be dead gets spared, gets translated through the water directly into Pharaoh's house as a grandchild of Pharaoh. Who knows the kind of sway that grandchildren hold on grandparents? I can't imagine a much more influential role to be than where Moses found himself. And God just, boom, put him there. Okay, Exodus 2, 11 through 15. Whoops. He went out to where his own people were and watched them. Felt really bad for them. Saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, looking this way and that, and seeing no one, no one's watching. He killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Next day, went out, saw two Hebrews fighting. He said, hey, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you the ruler and judge over us? Aren't you, are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. So we all know what he does. He, he leaves. Apparently getting yanked out of his place of influence in helping Israel. He has a heart towards them, right? He can't stand to see what's happening to them. He's got a place to talk and be heard by Pharaoh himself. And that goes away like that. He gets yanked out of there. Exodus 2, 16 through 21. What does he do? 
Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Rule, in this case, he changed his name, but that's Jethro, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. Where is he, Rule asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. So Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. So after that, um, Moses has a son named Gershom and he starts a peaceful life as a shepherd. Can we look at 3.1, Exodus 3.1? Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So what we hear about Moses here is, I ran away from that purpose. I come over here, I find another purpose. I get married, and I'm taking care of my father-in-law's flock. I'm a shepherd now. Never mind that my father-in-law is a priest of Midian. Has nothing to do with who I know my God is. Actively helping people serve false gods. This is my family now. That's who I am. He starts to see himself in a different light. That one didn't work. Something bad happened to me, that original purpose. So now I'm taking on a new one. I'm marrying a new one. I'm working for a new one. All I'm thinking about is my new purpose, and I like it. Support is pretty, pretty good looking. So we all know what happens in the next verse, Exodus 3, 2 through 10. He's on that mountain. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this. Why doesn't the bush burn up? And then the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. So God called to him from the, within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of your purpose. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Yes, he knew that if you look at God, you die. But also, I think, you know, I, you, sometimes when you're speaking, you get to put extra stuff on there. I also think he's like, whoops, this wasn't my purpose, and he knows it, and now he's talking to me. This is going to be trouble. The Lord said, remember when you saw the misery? I have also seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I got to imagine Moses going, I knew that was coming. <laughs> it would have been so much easier if I was a favored grandson. I blew that, ran away from it, kind of comfortable here, and now I got to go back. And I don't get to go back as a favored grandson. I have to go back as a killer. And I might get killed. So Exodus four thirteen through 17. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. 
This will get more. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth and I'm going to help both of you speak and we'll teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it'll be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. And we know what he, he goes on. Oh, becomes a snake. Leprosy. No leprosy. Like all the stuff that comes after preparing them for it. And then one of the weirdest passages in scriptures happens, Exodus 4, 24 through 26. I went a lot of my life not understanding this and really being bothered by it. At a lodging place on the way, Moses is going back to talk to Pharaoh. He's, right, I'm doing what you told me to do. The Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. Moses is going to do what he said. Why in the world would you be about to kill him? But Zipporah, remember that? Remember that strangler fig? No, I'm teasing. She's not, I mean, remember who she is? She's the the wife, right? I met her and she's part of my Midianite life, right? But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it. Also, creepy weird. Like that is, surely you're a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord left him alone. She was Speaking of the circumcision, you made me do this, Moses. What I finally understood about this passage is Moses was circumcised. When, when Pharaoh pulls him out of the basket, it says she noticed he was a, a Hebrew baby. Pretty obvious how she just knew from lifting a baby out of the basket. He was circumcised. She goes, this is it. So he is. He knows that's right. He's hearing God talk out of a bush to him, and he still can't talk Zipporah into circumcising his son. So it sounds to me like what's going on here is while Moses is kind of moving towards his purpose, he is not, and that strangler fig's still there, is still alive and well. I can do both of these things. I can kind of give them equal credence. I'm obeying God and I'm doing what Zipporah wants me to do. I'm doing both. And so God showed me this picture. That thing that you've replaced his purpose with or built over or added to, it's not a bad thing. Strangler figs aren't bad. Zipporah wasn't bad. A wife is a good thing. The Bible says it. Being a shepherd, awesome occupation. Bible talks a lot about shepherds. It's one of the good jobs to have. Nothing bad about it until or unless it starts to get in the way of what you know he's called you to do. Especially if you can't tell the two apart anymore. So I was like, wow, that's, that's a really great picture. So what do I, what do, I do about that? Asking God, because he said, show them this, tell them this. And so it came to this, how do we see ourselves? How do we know our true identity and purpose that God built from what we've built? How do we know the true tree from the strangler fig? So I'm going to challenge you right now in a really loving way. If you couldn't answer the purpose question that I asked earlier, and you can't tell God's tree apart from your own, but you want to discover that purpose, how do you do that? Like that's the great but how. So that's what I'm asking God. How how, how do I do that? So this is what he said. I would like to just stop for just a second and say, I think Deborah Tobe came up and said to Dana today, you can hear the words but unless you're 
really believing them and listening, they don't mean anything. So I'm gonna pause with that word coming and saying, let this part sink in. Take the defenses down, right? I'm not saying it's gonna cost you all your money. I'm not, right? I just, just, I'm not telling you to do anything about it. Just see what it is. And this great, but how, God, what is my specific purpose in your plan? So the great but how's, how do you know? I just, the first thing he said, he goes, who already knows their part? Who already knows your part, guy? The one who made you for your part. It's not like nobody knows it. He absolutely knows it. He made you to do it. He's the same one who has given you the power to carry it out. All you need to do it is already in there if the Holy Spirit's in there. If the Holy Spirit isn't in there and you're listening to this and it's falling on good soil, Please come and see me afterwards or somebody from the prayer team that's always over here. Say, I need the power part. And the Holy Spirit is excited about your purpose. He is excited about it. You want to know how I know? Because he's always talking about it. When we do prophetic encouragement and somebody comes in the room and I'm like, oh, I hope hope Holy Spirit has something to say to this person. So I just start listening. We're praying over him. Every single time when the Holy Spirit showed me what to say to him, it's like he's excited. He's like, awesome. They're listening. They're totally tuned in. They get to hear it audibly. Tell them this. And it's, and, it's, and it's amazing. So I know he's excited. I know he's always listening. And I know he'll tell you. So I'll put a plug in right now. If you haven't been to prophetic encouragement or even if you have, please, please sign up and go to it. It's gonna happen on September 22nd, a couple Sundays from now. It's right after the meeting. Couldn't be any more convenient. Out there in the lobby, there's iPads hooked up at the table. You can go on there and just sign up. It takes 30 seconds. Put your name on, put a phone number in so we can remind you it's coming up. That's just a place where you can hear audibly the voice of the Holy Spirit. So, so I would just encourage you, if you haven't done that, if you care at all about what he's telling us today and you, and you want to hear more about it and what he's saying to you, great place to do it. You don't have to do it there, but it's a good spot. I will give you a caveat. It does not always come in one big download like it did for Moses. <laughs> he's not always going to be like, okay, we're laying it out, drop the staff, do this, go here, say these things. It doesn't always happen like that. In, in uh. In my experience, it usually starts with a first step, right? And that first step requires only one thing, obedience. Like the kings, how hard is this? When I tell you to do something, you just do it. Listen and do the first step. So that's the second part. And then read his word. So he speaks through it. He's going to plant the seed give you the first step, and then when you're reading and when you're praying, that's when he's gonna fill in the rest and say next step, next step, next step. And if you just keep doing them, you are on the path to purpose. You will be like Mark. You'll be able to say, I know at least this part of it and I'm doing it. And nothing feels better than that. And uh, again, the plug for the Bible app. If you're not using that, I know even if you just wanna turn the pages, that's fine. The Bible app lets you know, go to these pages, read in this order. It is just phenomenal. So please, please at least check into it. Okay, what if, what if I already know my purpose? What if I'm Mark? What if I've known it for a really long time? What's in this for me? I said, he said to me, tell them to stop not doing it. 
Stop not doing your purpose. He said, like, this is what came in my mind, the corny line, every journey starts with a single step. You know that? Everybody's heard that. You're like, oh, yeah. And you don't listen to it. But he's like, run that back and say, every journey that was ever taken started with somebody deciding to take the first step. So I tell the story about my wife a long time. You know, she was working, took a little break when we had Deacon, and we talked about what would you do if, if, if you weren't getting paid? What do you, what do you want to do anyway? Because you know, go back to school and do that. And we talked about it. She, I like nutrition and all this stuff. And so there's got to be some career that incorporates that. Do that. So she made that decision. I want to be a registered dietitian. And she took the first class. She signed up for the first class. And then over the course of literally years with babies and me traveling and everything, kept taking steps, kept taking steps, kept taking steps. Now she's a blessing to the community. There's people that go to her classes just because she's teaching them, because she's so good at communicating things about nutrition. It started with her deciding to take one first step and then just kept going. So as trite as the saying is, what he's asking you to do, if you already know what it is today, stop not doing it. Don't worry about how big it is. Take one first step. I got five minutes. One first step and see the blessing that comes out of that one first step that you take. Yeah, I put in here, let me be your burning bush. Start, go, do it. Um, So the last part is what do you need to get rid of? What strangler fig, fig has attached to your life? What is your fake purpose? Because identifying that probably going to be pretty helpful as you're taking that first step. So know what that is and believe that God can separate you from it, even though it doesn't look like it. There's probably good parts that hold you up in storms. He knows the degree of separation you need. You don't have to worry about it getting blown up. The nice part is God already knows how to deal with it. He's just waiting for you to be ready. He can also use it for his plan, by the way. Strangler fig can work for God. When you finally leave it behind, like Moses, your journey is underway and you get to play a big part in his purpose. So I just will end by saying this. The ship is moving today. We've talked a lot about that over the past weeks. The Holy Spirit has filled the sails of this church and we're moving. He's got plans for us for his purpose to spread his glory everywhere. We need free people, free of the figs, who know what they're supposed to be doing on this ship. If you believe the ship's moving, then believe you need to be free. You're on it. Nobody's doing it for us. We're doing it. So impetus is get free. Stop not doing it. Take the first step. Come on. What are you waiting for? How much of your life has to go by before you just go, okay, I'll do it. I don't have to figure it all out. I don't even need to know it all. I know enough to take the first step. Now's the time. Don't wait any longer. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care if you just found out you're pregnant. That doesn't, you don't get off the hook. Right? If we believe we're moving, yeah, you get, you get weeks off. There's like a maternity leave for the purpose. For the per- but you're on this, if you plan to stay on this boat, get involved in your purpose. Get rid of the strangler fig. I'm not saying, or don't stay on the boat, because we don't do that. We love everybody. You can get on a boat. We don't care. But if you're on it, and you consider yourself part of what we're doing, step into your purpose. And if you don't know it, 
find out. He wants to tell you. He's ready to tell you. I went too long. I apologize. I just want to tell you, I love you guys. I wouldn't be bringing this message if I didn't think everybody here was not ready to hear that, was not capable of stepping into what God has for them. I'm so sure of it that I feel comfortable saying this to you and even getting somewhat animated about it, but not crying, as you'll notice. So uh, with that, can obviously, prayer people are going to be up here afterwards. If you just say, what is it? Help me discover it. I just want to be praying. Help me get over not doing it. Help me with the strangler fig. God's here for all that. There's people that will just pray for you. Pray God's word over your life. If you want to, you can come for it afterwards. But no matter how you do it, get about it. Because I, I have a feeling he's not going to stop saying this stuff to us until we're like, we're there. So we can shorten these type of messages by just getting there. Um, can you stand if you're able? Father, we love you. When we say you're king... We don't mean it in that funny way where, yeah, you're a king, but I don't have to obey you. We're your servants. We obey you. We trust that you're a good king, but you're the king. We must obey. And we say we willingly obey. A good king and a good father. When you bring these words to us, we don't ignore them, king. We don't ignore them, master. We just say yes, May it be done. Like Moses said, here I am. You got me. I'm done running. You got me. So we just say, yes. We're taking the first step, whether it's finding out what you want or whether it's getting moving. We obey you because you're good and we trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's message of the week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.